Blog Talk Radio. kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good morning, and welcome to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path. My name is Tracy and Leslie, and we are here to uh, just relax this morning and have a conversation about forgiveness. Hmm, that's interesting. Talk about forgiveness and relax. When forgiveness for many people often brings up all the places they've been wrong, all the people who have hurt them, and that doesn't sound very relaxing at all. But it is a holiday. It is Memorial Day, which also is an interesting kind of thing to talk about Memorial Day and forgiveness at the same time, too. That's a good topic. Uh, Yeah, it is a good topic. And it's amazing to me that we, you know, just made a list of topics and didn't pay attention to what was falling on what dates or even really the sequence. Right. But I agree with you. It, It will be nice to make a connection between forgiveness and Memorial Day at some point during the next hour. So um, let's start with a quote. And uh, this is a quote from Catherine Ponder. She says, when you hold resentment toward another, you are bound to that person or condition by an emotional link that is stronger than steel. Forgiveness is the only way to dissolve that link and get free. Read the first part again. When you hold resentment toward another, you are bound to that person or condition by an emotional link that is stronger than steel. And that's pretty strong. Yeah. You know, and so when we don't forgive, we're holding on to a resentment of what someone said or what someone did or how we perceive them. Mm -hmm. And we're then connected to them with a link stronger than steel. Forgiveness is the only way to dissolve that link and get free. You know, that's uh, interesting because I forgot to uh, make the link back to last week's show, which was friendship. And it's an interesting idea that many times, uh, you know, when we have friendships and we get involved with people and begin relationships, there's something that draws us to them and we enjoy them and we love certain parts of them and something about them. And then sometimes things happen and we become resentful or bitter or angry and we do or do not choose to forgive. And that resentment can really destroy a friendship pretty quickly. And uh, so that was a nice little segue back into the idea of, you know, it's the friends that we have. If we didn't have some sort of relationship with them, we wouldn't need to forgive them, I think, on some level. You know what I'm saying? Whatever they did we had to have some connection initially or it wouldn't affect us. So there had to be some friendship or some connection, familial. Yeah. And word, often familial. the familial is a good mm-hmm. word. And often the closer we are, at least for me, I find the closer I am to someone, obviously the more it hurts if they do or say something that I don't like. And mm-hmm. so the easier it is to go into resentment because then you, for, for I don't do this very much anymore, but I know... Uh, um, I, what I used to do would be like, well, they're my friend, or they're my sister, or they're my brother, or they're my cousin. You know, they're they're somebody. I, they are someone I care about, and yeah, what they said hurt me, but I don't want to hurt them. Mm-hmm. So then I'd be protecting them. I would think in my mind, in my ego, I'm being big about this. I'm protecting them. They're, you know, I'm not going to hurt them by telling them they hurt my feelings. But then I'd also hold on to resentment and be more careful or more distant. Right. And so 
you know, which hurt them but also hurt me, and they didn't know what they did. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they'd do it again. Right. Or they'd do something similar, or they'd say something similar, and it's building up in my mind. When if I would just forgive them, mm-hmm. really forgive them, right. and, may, and have an adult conversation, right. have a, 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 you know, rational conversation about give them some feedback, mm-hmm. um, you know, then a lot of that would just be removed. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny, um, one of the books that many, many people quote about forgiveness is, it's a classic now, it's, you know, very old, it's by Lewis Smedes, and it's Forgive and Forget, with the subtitle, Healing the Hurts We Don't Deserve. And he opens chapter one with the connection for your observation or your comment you made, Leslie, if you live long enough, chances are you'll be hurt by someone you counted on to be your friend. Mm. And if you're like me, you may let that hurt fester and grow until it stifles your joy. When that happens, you have entered the first stage of forgiving. And he um, talks about how the first stage of forgiving really is the hurt. Mm-hmm. Being hurt and recognizing that you're hurt or disappointed and that you're moving into resentment about it is the first stage of forgiving because until you realize that, you may not even realize, I mean, there's nothing to forgive. Mm-hmm. So the hurt and the the resentment is stage one. Becomes your awareness of the of the of the issue, is that what you're saying? Because you're hurt, you're aware. And you're beginning to resent it or resent that person or create distance. And, you know, that's that should be like a cue to you that, wait a minute, okay, this isn't good for me and I need to forgive that person. So, like in Catherine Ponder's quote, I can unlink that chain. So it's not good just to kind of like delete their phone out of your phone number out of your phone and just don't ever call them back and avoid them in the grocery store for the rest of your life. That's not a healthy way. To <laughs> is there another way that I'll learn about today? <laughs> you are so funny. How to handle resentment <laughs> and bitterness? That's the way many of us handle. Okay, it. I just wanted to check and see if there's something to learn today. Well, I don't I need to forgive them. I just will act like they don't exist. <laughs> exactly right. What's that about? I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know you. Did I ever know anyone? (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) Well, let's take a little one-minute break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about what forgiveness is, why we should forgive, how to forgive, and as we do in every show, really talk about the the spiritual practices that we can use that help us to, in this case, forgive. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path, talking today about forgiveness, and uh, Tracy had referenced the idea of what spiritual practices link into forgiveness, and, um, you know, I guess there's just the classic Christian philosophy of Jesus, and his final words were forgiving those who were killing him, right? Am I right about that? Did I get that big concept correct? So, uh, you know, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Very good. And so I think, in a way, all religions have some sort of forgiveness theme, you know, to be able to get into forgiveness. And um, the, I don't know if it's Buddhist or somewhere along my spiritual 
journey, I learned the idea that uh, if I'm really evolve in my spiritual path, that I get to a point, I can evolve to a point where there is not a part of me that will be hurt that needs to forgive. And that's always been kind of in the back of my head as a goal, that I get to the point that, you know, if someone does something to me, I can see so clearly in the real moment that that is about some difficulty going on within them. And, and there's really nothing that it can hurt in me because I'm I'm so secure in my own path, which I think is going to happen for me in 2023 is really what I'm going for, you know, to get to that point. But uh, but I do think that's an interesting idea, and I, I, I don't know what uh, faith practice it is that talks about that, but, it, but there is one, and I think I'm working the Course in Miracles right now, and it talks about that in there as well, that, you know, forgiveness is um, something at some point that, uh, you know, as we evolve in our own spiritual path, that there's nothing, there's no part of us that can be harmed by someone, so we don't have to actually forgive. Am I making any sense? Does that ring a bell? You're making lots of sense. <laughs> I just need a little affirmation there. So, uh, spiritual practice of forgiveness, of, you know, actually doing it, I guess, you know, and actually being aware of it, um, I am. Uh, because I have that goal to get to the point where I don't even actually feel the resentment, I'm really aware when I first feel the need to forgive or first feel the need to be, you know, angry at somebody, and I try to automatically go into that point of, you know, that's about them, that's not about me, and I don't, I can, you know, I don't have to take that personally. It's a choice, and I guess that's a spiritual concept to me. Is everything is a choice. I'm always in choice, and so I'm in choice if I get into a point that I. It's like I don't have to feel resentment and bitter and angry. And I don't think, I used to think I had a choice. And now I'm looking at you like, go ahead, speak, Tracy, speak. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm listening and processing, and, and there are a lot of spiritual philosophies and practices, and I agree with you that it is our individual choice about how we interpret and how we perceive what's going on in the world around us. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I think it was from our very first show that a listener by the name of Nan suggested that we do a show on perception. Oh, right. And we've got that scheduled maybe mm-hmm. two or three shows from now. And um, I think, yeah, we'll have a lot of opportunity to connect that show with what we talk about today because often it's our perception of the meaning Mm -hmm. or the motivation of why somebody did what they did or said what they said. Even if they were really, quote, unquote, attacking, you know, me individually Mm -hmm. for something I did, I still have a choice about, you know, my perception of their motivation. And often what gets us into that um, space of needing to forgive is we make up the story about, from our perception, about why they did what they did. And so often, you know, what I hear people saying when they're mad at somebody is, you know, I can't forgive them, you know, I can't forgive them because they did it on purpose. They knew what they were doing, right? Right. They knew what they were doing. They did it on purpose. Why should I forgive them? <laughs> you know, or the, you know, what do you say when someone says to you, um, I can't forgive them because then I'm saying that what they did was okay. Yes, that's a, yeah, that's a big You one. know, I can't forgive the people who broke into my home because then I'd be saying it was okay for them to break into my home or I can't forgive the um, the guy who's now in jail who stabbed my sister, right? let alone killed my sister, but just, you know, stabbed my sister, and now she's, you know, she's um, disabled for, for life, or she's scarred for life, right. and I can't forgive him, you know. Listening to you talk, it's like there's two categories. There's the first category where... It's our perception that we feel resentful about. And a lot of times when I get angry about something and I'll say to a friend, oh, well, did you know Sally Sue did this blah, 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 blah. And my friend's like, oh, that doesn't, that's no big deal. So it's it's my story, like you're saying. It's my perception that's causing the resentment. And then there's this other category where, 
you know, it's apparent when someone kills someone or molests someone or steals from someone, you know, we can all agree those behaviors are not appropriate behaviors. Somebody's going to come along and say, oh, well, that's just your perception. So, but forgiveness, I think, is still needed in both categories and ultimately, like, you hear and we hear, but, you know, we don't forgive for the other person. We don't forgive for the person who raped our daughter. We forgive for, for ourselves and for our daughter so that we can move on with our lives. Yeah. So that goes back to the ponder quote of when we don't forgive, we're connected, like, with a link that's made mm-hmm. of steel that mm-hmm. we can never let go of it. We can never be free of it as long as we don't forgive the other person mm-hmm. for what they did. But what do you just say to somebody who... You know, a friend comes mm-hmm. to you and they say, you know, um, yeah, that guy raped my daughter. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to forgive him. I couldn't forgive him. I mean, right? Well, it's interesting because I was um, uh, molested by my uncle. And um, so from like the age of six or seven months till I was 12 years old, um, I was sexually abused. And it was interesting journey for me to come out and to understand I had to get angry and and then I had to um, understand that my anger and my resentment and my bitterness ultimately here 20 years later, you know, there was no act of abuse. There was nothing really going on. So my anger and my lack of forgiveness was really eating me away. And then, and this is interesting, I'd love for us to talk about this, you know, I had to give myself permission to get mad at God because, you know, where was God in that situation and how did that work? And I have a cute little story I can tell about that. But... You know, and, and to be able to not only get to the point where I understood for my own survival, I had to forgive my uncle, and I had to forgive God, which I'm sure made God feel better. <laughs> then I got around to forgiving God, wasn't that? You know, oh, how generous. Yeah, I know. What are they, I'm sure. um, but, uh, you know, it is an interesting thing, and I can really speak to that, that it, it will eat your soul. You know, it does become, uh, it becomes a toxin, I think. It, it actually um, is a lot of the reason, I think, that we have, physical disease and um, mental illness is because people get into this kind of uh, digging their heels in the ground and saying, you know, I will never forgive this. You know, this man did this to me and this is wrong and there's no way to make this right. Well, good luck, you know, because that you're carrying it on. I, I discovered for myself is as long as I kept that attitude, I was continuing the abuse. I was 28, 30, 32, 35, you know, and I'm still caught up in this trauma drama that happened when I was 10 because I'm holding on to it because I'm not letting the SOB go on, you know, and that suddenly I realized this has become about me. (laughs) This is no longer about him. You know, this is about me. And so until I can get to a point where I can forgive, you know, I'm going to be the only one continuing to suffer because there's nobody else in this situation that's suffering but me. So, you know, I have a live example of that, and I can absolutely say, you know, everything, the grass got greener, the sky got bluer, you know, everything transformed when I said, you know, this guy was doing the best he could. Probably something happened to him. If if I look at his life and I track it back, you know, there was not a happy childhood there. And, you know, along the way I really do have the belief, the philosophical belief that nobody wakes up in the middle of the night and says, I'm going to screw with Sally Sue and tries to, you know, plot a plan. There's very few people that do that. Most of us, when we damage someone else, you know, we're damaging out of our own damage. So... That was a long answer to your question, but I feel good about my answer. <laughs> it was a good answer because this was a game show. We gave you a, <laughs> a nine point five, right? A winning score on that answer. Well, I, you know, the one of the things that in my twenties, um, I guess, my biggest lesson about forgiveness, yeah, being for me and not for the other person, um, was related to something else that people often say. You know, I can forgive that person for what they did, but I'll never forget it. (laughs) I will never forget it. And that... And that really, you know, now there's a a line to walk there. I mean, you don't want to forget in a way that doesn't allow you to, you know, live your life fully or live, you know, go forward. But if you're saying, and I'll never forget it Mm -hmm. in a way that, you know, I will never forget that person and what they did to me, Mm -hmm. even though I forgive them, then you really haven't forgiven them. You know, you see their face and you get all riled up. (laughs) Exactly. And you put on your armor Mm -hmm. so that you won't be hurt by this person again. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there's, 
there's sense. It makes sense to um, make choices in your life so that you're not hurt by that person again. But that's not the same as putting on your armor and getting ready to go into battle and replaying whatever they did to hurt you every time you think of them or see them or hear about them. And and that was, I think, for me, my big, my most powerful lesson about forgiveness because I um, had a really, um, not a, a really negative relationship with my mother. And um, by the time I was in my early twenties, I had gotten to that point of, oh, I can forgive her for all the, you know, things that she's done and all the things that she hasn't done that I wish she would Mm -hmm. have done, um, but I'll never forget. And so even though I didn't have a lot of contact with her in my early 20s, anytime her name came up, anytime somebody would ask me Mm -hmm. about my mother, anytime a cousin or a friend would mention her, my mind would be like, well, I've forgiven her, but I won't forget. <laughs> and I would be all wound up, you know. She'd get all flush. And I would, my heart would be raised right. as if she was in the room, uh-huh. and I had to protect myself from her, you know, verbal abuse and from her, um, the way that she was, just right. the way she was in the world and the way she was with me. And so I was in my late, mid to late twenties when. I finally, finally got it about forgiveness and that if I truly forgave her, if I truly believed that she really had done the best that she could and that she did things from a perspective of she thought that was best for for raising me mm-hmm. or she behaved because she was exhausted from working, you know, full-time and overtime and juggling a family in there. If, if I really believed all those things, then that, that that I thought or I was uh-huh. saying, then how could I be so riled up? Right. And, you know, it took a few months of going through a process and, you know, all of that, but I really, I knew the day that I truly had forgiven her because I really felt love and compassion mm-hmm. for her challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, you know, a few weeks after that, one of my cousins was on the, I was on the phone with one of my cousins, and, you know, she was talking about something, and it, and my mother came up, and it was like, it was like she was telling me a story about somebody in a book. I mean, you know what I mean? There was that, it was like I knew the character really well, Mm -hmm. but there was no trigger. No attachment. I was like. Okay, I know now. I really, really have forgiven her. There is not, you know, anything that else that she can do to hurt me in that way. Right. And just thinking about her. But it was a long and very hard <laughs> lesson. But that when people say to me, I'll, you know, forgive, but, you know, I won't forget, I really listen because, you no, know, I will I ever forget my childhood? No, I won't forget it. But I, it doesn't have that emotional trigger mm-hmm. um, and definitely no hate, no resentment. Because look who I became. Right. Look who I became. You know, I became the, from the good and the bad mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. that experience. So, um, yeah, I forgive, but I'm saying it's okay. We haven't talked about that one too much. And you, I can't forgive the, the guy because mm-hmm. it'll make it okay what he what he did or what she did. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of a, you know, that's a reasonable response. I mean, in our minds, when we say that, that makes sense. But I think that is the spiritual, always the spiritual uh, crossroad that we have. Do we want to stop in that mind spot, or do we want to go to that next level and take it to some spiritual uh, foundation and say, okay, yes, you know, I don't. I don't have to condone that behavior. I don't have to say I. I think that was good, but you know, certainly, not forgiving. You know, um, is only going to hurt me, and that ultimately that really does lead to all sorts of different things. And you said something about uh, detachment, or maybe I attached the word detachment to your thought. And um, I love the twelve step philosophy of detach with love because um, 
there's a lot of people that just kind of walk away from people. And when I used to work with adolescents and families, you know, I watched a lot of families kind of fracture off and, and parents just abandon their kids, you know, and leave their kids in the street and that tough love. And, and certainly there's a lot to be said for that. But at some point, you know, how we detach has a lot to do with who we are. And if we can get to that point where we're detached with love and if that person is so self-destructive that we have to physically walk away that, as you say, that we don't have that rush of blood pressure and, you know, our eyes don't cross when we hear their name, you know, that we can really hold them in love and really hold the space of truth of who they are. If they're, you know, shooting up heroin, living under a bridge right now, we know in our, you know, daily spiritual mind treatments or prayers or meditation time that, you know, that's not who they are and we hold that truth of who they are for them then we're detaching with love. Otherwise, we're just kind of detaching and running away. And again, I just really so firmly believe that our physical well-being and our mental well-being are all attached, using that word a lot, attached, detached, are all attached to, you know, our internal sense of peace. And, um, you know, we can look around and I can certainly even look at the external state of my car or my house or, you know, all the different things in my world, you know, are a reflection of what's going on internally with me. And I'm kind of oh, up right now. Very <laughs> Don't look at my car right now. I'm not doing very well. But, yeah, I had a therapist that actually told me that one time. She said, you know, Leslie, I can tell the state of your mental health by, by what your car looks like. And I'm like, I am parking down the street next time. <laughs> I don't know how you saw inside my car. <laughs> that is just wrong. Yeah, that's a scary thought. I don't want to. I don't want to mm-hmm. pursue that mm-hmm. one. <laughs> Interesting. Our external world reflecting our internal peace. Even though, yeah, from uh, even if you do um, uh, the the different signs, the the writer, the authors who write about uh, when there are signs in your life, things that happen mm-hmm. unexpectedly, and since we don't believe there are any coincidences, and that things that happen. To your car, mm-hmm. that your car represents your physical body, mm-hmm. and that you know, look for a, um, a correlation mm-hmm. in your body. Like if the battery in your car dies, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like—I mean, you know—you didn't really intend to leave the lights on or whatever, and the battery dies, or it's just really, really hot out, and the battery dies. You know, to always look at your body and say, you know, are you running out of juice? Are you running out of energy? Are you running down your your energy battery? And Are you prepared to be totally freaked out? This is such an ooey ooey kind of thing and if it didn't happen to me, I wouldn't believe it. But I really had never heard that idea. I guess obviously you're saying it's written down somewhere. I need to read more. But I swear to God, this is such a true story. When I was doing my incest work, I was in my early 30s, I guess, and I was fairly suicidal all the time. And I would sit at red lights during one year. I had four wrecks while I was sitting in a red light. Other cars hit me. How freaky is that when you say that? I'm like, because it was a big thing. Wow. And my therapist at the time said that I had such strong suicidal, uh, you know, karma or energy that I was, you know, pulling. And I was like, are you a nut? But, you know, I did kind of think about that later. And now that you said that about the car thing, I'm like, wow. But that was so great. Four in one year where I was absolutely sitting still at a stop sign or a red light and got smashed. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. That is more than interesting. <laughs> there you go. In fact, that's so interesting. We're going to take a one-minute break, and then we'll come back and talk about spiritual practices mm-hmm. that we can use and just general practices that we can use to um, to choose when we choose forgiveness.
Welcome back to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path and um, talking about spiritual practices to encourage forgiveness. There's a devotion that I was going to read about that that might lead us into some conversation. The title of this is Eyes Open. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. It hurts to keep my eyes open. The pain ends much sooner when you keep your eyes open. I had this conversation with myself when I opened my oven and looked in. My oven emits some kind of gas that burns my eyes. It is painful. I have learned if I keep my eyes open, the pain is intense and doesn't last long. If I close my eyes, the pain is intense and lasts a long time. Today I realized most difficult things in my life go by more quickly if I keep my eyes open. If I close my eyes, deny the issue, or turn away from reality, I simply prolong the inevitable pain of getting through it. If I stay focused, keep my eyes open, it may be painful for a moment, but that moment won't linger. I have a hunch God never turns away from reality. My life has shown me with eyes open I actually handle difficult things well. It is denial and avoidance that causes me real difficulty. I know this intellectually, but convincing myself to keep my eyes open in the pain still takes a lots of encouragement. Yes. And so that's a spiritual practice for me, I think, is to stay aware. You know, the first step, the 12 steps, is became aware. So I think there's a spiritual practice behind awareness and not going into denial. And I think I use my spiritual community to help me with that. You know, to, and trust my friends and and people that support me to keep me in a state of awareness and not let me fall out of that for too terribly long. So, um, for me, awareness. Never really thought of that as a spiritual practice, but I think it is. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the physical things we do in spiritual practice are to bring us to um, uh, an acute or a conscious awareness. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, whatever we need to do to become more aware of what we're experiencing on the outside or the inside, mm -hmm. I think is a spiritual practice. It's the path to awareness. Mm -hmm. I mean, and don't we talk about meditation that way all the time? Meditation is to bring us greater awareness. Connection, yes. The connection. Yes. So, um, it's one thing to say we should forgive. It's something else, It's you know, to say I want to forgive, and then it's okay, that's real. That's all well and good, but how do I do it? Because right. I'm really angry or I'm really upset or I'm really afraid. Mm -hmm. A lot of times our protection when we're afraid of someone is, you know, again, it's our perception that they're out to get us mm -hmm. or that they're going to hurt us, and so... We are afraid of them, and so we're, we don't forgive them for who they are, how they show up in the world. So I love that what that you brought up earlier from a spiritual, philosophical point of view. That it's you know we have lots of patterns to do it, to do forgiveness, lots of uh, encouragement, lots of direction to forgive others. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of that, you talked about in a course of miracles. And one of the Course of Miracles quotes is, um, as forgiveness allows love to return to my awareness, I will see a world of peace and safety and joy. Um, another Course of Miracles quote is, I could see peace instead of this. Oh, and, I love that. Yeah, and it's like whatever I'm seeing, and even though it hurts me, you know, I really could see peace. I could right. see peace for the other person. I could see peace for myself and choose that this must be happening for whatever reason mm -hmm. that it is happening, and there will be some good to come of this. And so I can rest in that. Now, I love this as forgiveness allows love to return to my awareness. When I forgive you... I'm standing firmly in love. Mm -hmm. And the more love I stand in, the more that I see the world as peace and the more that I see the world as safety and the more that I see the world as joy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's like the philosophy of that is solid and the how to do it is 
the challenge mm-hmm. <laughs> once you get there that you want to do it, how to do it. So um, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago in a um, Wednesday meditation, um, one of our practitioners uh, reminded some of us and taught others about the uh, ancient Hawaiian tradition or practice of Ho'oponopono. And um, a lot of people learned about Ho'oponopono in maybe within the last three years when Joe Vitale uh, wrote a book with a uh, psychologist from Hawaii and really exposed the Ho'oponopono prayer and the Ho'oponopono breathing practices to a larger audience. And the prayer is it's four sentences, and it's, I love you, please forgive me, I'm sorry. Nope, that's not the right sequence. I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. And by saying those four sentences over and over, like a chant or a mantra, uh-huh. um, it releases that sense of anger and resentment because you're standing firmly in the love. You know, I really do love you. Please forgive me for whatever my part is in this situation, this scenario. Thank you for forgiving me, you know, and it's like a cycle. I love you. So really you can start anywhere in the sequence. You could start with, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can start in anywhere in the sequence. And it's amazing how when you get used to that, it just releases. It releases all of whatever you're holding on to. I had never heard of that until you told me about it a couple of weeks ago. But do you, so do you use that when I've done something that I'm asking for forgiveness for, or is that something I use when I'm trying to work on forgiving the son of a gun that, you know, hurt me? Both. Both. Use it okay. in any situation where you are experiencing um, some discomfort or resentment. So if someone else does something to you, that's how your ego is perceiving it, Mm -hmm. then it's still appropriate because you're for, I love you, okay, Leslie, you did something and you really made me angry. Mm -hmm. So for me to be saying, you know, holding you in my mind or even looking at you Mm -hmm. and saying out loud or to myself, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. Because whatever you said, I, it's my perception mm-hmm. that you said it in a way that was hurtful. Yeah, that's nice. Okay, yeah. And so I'm, I'm, you know, please forgive me for being upset with you. Please forgive me for doing whatever I did that made you angry. You know, so it sounds like you're just forgiving yourself. But if I'm doing it in a reaction to something that someone else has done, uh-huh. it's still it's the process of releasing releasing that rope or link of steel uh-huh. and saying, okay, it, you just need to fade away. It's, it, yes, it also is effective if you are doing self-forgiveness work. But in the Ho'oponopono tradition, it is for anything. And it's for worldwide situations. Oh, nice. We could do this chant for the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, cool. We could do this chant for you know, people who are fighting halfway around the world because peace, the the philosophical, the spiritual grounding of it is that there can be no peace in the world mm-hmm. if there's not peace in the individual. In my heart. You know, that's interesting because I had, again, never heard of that, but it's, and it sounds contrary to common sense that you're saying, you know, I forgive, please forgive, please me. forgive me when I'm wanting to forgive you. But... Um, there is another tool in the 12 steps that talks about when I'm feeling resentful. Uh, my sponsor used to tell me to pray for the person who I was resenting, 
for 30 days and pray for them everything that I wanted for myself. Yes. I'm like, are you a nut? Why would I want <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> they deserve to die. Why am I praying for them to have a loving, wonderful life? And uh, But it's magical. When you really sit down and sit down in, in, in an earnest prayer for 30 days and pray for this person that, that I'm resenting that has done me wrong, when I pray for them, everything good that I want for myself, there is some sort of shift in that energetic connection with them, and it, literally I've experienced that. So that's a huge tool. Yeah, the other person who, uh, or another person who builds on that mm-hmm. is Edwin Gaines, and she's best known for the work that she's committed herself to in terms of uh, prosperity, mm-hmm. you know, really uh, the four keys to prosperity. And one of them is that is that exact same practice that you know you forgive anyone that you hold any resentment for. And one of her practices, you talk about spiritual practices, mm-hmm. is that you wish for them, you know, all the good that you could imagine and all the good that you would want for yourself. And and she has amazing stories about how that good then shows up. For you and the, mm-hmm. the relief, and once you release that with every everyone that you know and that you've met, or people you don't know mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. have resentment mm-hmm. about, how that opens up the way for greater prosperity and abundance in your life. It is interesting, and I think when we talk about spiritual practices, or we talk about how to how to get, once we say, okay, I want to forgive this person, how do I get there? Um, I know therapeutically anger is one of those emotions you have to get out. You can't just, you know, write about it or, you know, chat about it. You have to, you know, hit a pillow or you have to go take a run. And and I think forgiveness, you do have to create some sort of external commitment to doing something. It's more than just sitting in a chair and saying, I forgive you, I forgive you. You know, you've got to get into some sort of real active mantra or real active practice each day that, kind of transports you out of just saying, okay, I'm ready to forgive. There's, there's got to actually be some action around it. and so Yeah, and it, the the whole Pono practice, if you go back and, you know, kind of break the words apart and look up the definition, um, that basically it, it means a mental cleansing to Ooh. put things in order. Oh, cool. Or to make things right. And so that's really what forgiveness is. Forgiveness mm-hmm. is about clearing your mind of the gunk and mm-hmm. the junk and, you know, having peace and clarity and love back in your mind and in your heart. Right. Um, the other part of the whole proponent practice that is really, really powerful is the breath work with it. And, um, and so it's a, you know, breathing in for seven seconds, holding that breath for seven seconds, releasing it and holding, you know, no breath for seven seconds. So, you know, that 28-second cycle of breathing in, holding it with no thought and releasing it um, is is also a part of it. Do you hold it for seven seconds or you just hold it for three seconds or seven? Might be too specific. So So you breathe in for seven, hold it for seven, breathe out for seven, hold it for seven. Okay. Yeah. And for people who, you know, that's a good question. I don't know if it is. I'll have to read. Go. I'll have to go Google that. There you go. The for anyone who's who's not familiar with the whole Pono, you can find it on the internet. And um, uh, except that it's a little hard to spell. I was going to say, how do you (laughs) spell Pono? Oh, Pono. Spell it for us, It's huh. H O apostrophe O P O P O N O, um, uh-huh. and you don't need the apostrophe; it'll come up in Google without that. So um, if you spelled it hoop o pono, uh, it will come up. But you also could just um, Google Joe Vitale. His name is pretty. It will come up. Or you could probably Google Hawaiian healing mm. practices, and it would come up. Um, and the uh, the doctor or the therapist that Joe Vitale worked with um, on this 
his name is harder to spell than Hope Opponent. So <laughs> you not try that. I won't even try that. Um, and before the end of the show, the name of the book will come to me. There you go. Um, but I am blanking on it right this minute. So let's talk about some of the other practices that we might that we might um, use. A lot of people have um, have had really positive results from Colin Tipping's Radical Forgiveness approach, mm-hmm. and his book Radical Forgiveness is. Um, really, really powerful. Had a really big impact on me, even though I've done pretty well with forgiveness for you know over 15 or 20 years. Um, but when I read Radical Forgiveness a few years ago, I was like, oh, number one, a lot of what I intuitively knew or believed, he was able to write about it in a way that was like, yeah, if I could could have written it down, uh-huh. that's what I would have uh-huh. said. That's what worked. And then in addition to that, he took it to the the next level. And the general concept with radical forgiveness is that really you get to the point where there is nothing to forgive. Um, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. Right. True forgiveness must include letting go completely of victim consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so if you are not a victim of what anyone else does or what anyone else says, then there's really nothing to forgive. And there's a part in the book where he talks about that some people get um, a little uncomfortable with that, um, you know, what if when people, quote, unquote, do certain things, it was a contract you made, you know, it's the Carolyn May's Uh sacred contract kind of approach, that, you know, you agreed to that on some level level before. But he doesn't really, he's, stands more in, in, you know, more physical connections and that it ha- needed to happen the way that it did. And what? how could you look at it to see what you got out of it, what was, you know, what was the benefit for you? Mm-hmm. And if you had a benefit, if you had any benefit at all, then it really needed to happen. And so why are you mad at this person? Or why are you mad at this country? Or why are you mad at the universe? Or why are you mad at God? Right, and that and that's a good way for me to tell my little get mad at God story. But um, because for me it has a lot to do with perception too. If I'm in a state where I'm feeling uh, anger or resentment, it's because my perception is so narrow. And I, I'm sure it was somebody in a twelve step program that told me this story that I thought was a very good metaphor for it talked about a little boy who uh, was just in love with his dog, loved his dog, dog and him, best friends, best friends, best friends. And so um, the dog was about four or five years old, and the dog ran away. And at that point, the little boy was just devastated. He just really grieved and went through so much difficulty getting over the fact that his dog had run away. And a few weeks went by, and the little boy was just kind of trying to get back up on his feet emotionally and being able to not walk around all day really missing his dog. And this particular day, the little boy was at school, the dog showed back up at the house, and the mother saw the dog in the backyard, but the dog was rabid and was obviously in a lot of distress and and not doing well. And so the mother called the father at work and said, come home quickly, dog is caught in home and he's sick and there's something wrong with him and we need to figure this out before Joey, the little boy, gets home from school. So the dad gets home, goes in the backyard, notices, oh, yeah, the dog has got rabies. He's, you know, won't even let anybody touch him. So the mom and dad decide the best thing to do is shoot the dog and get the dog out of there before the little boy gets home because they don't want to have to go through the whole grieving process again. So the dad goes and gets his gun. He's standing out in the backyard, and the little boy walks into the house at the very moment that he sees his dad pull the trigger and kill his dog. And so the little boy just goes crazy and gets so mad at the dad and beats on him in his chest and screams at him. And the dad understands from the little boy's perspective, all he saw was him shooting his favorite dog. Mm -hmm. And so the father was just really okay with letting the little boy get as mad as he needed to get because he needed to get all that out of him so then the father could explain the story to him and give him a bigger picture. And so I think that's always such a cool 
story to remind me that when I'm so angry, there's something that I'm not seeing. But there is something to be said that I have to get all that anger out. And then I can slow myself down enough to be able to see the big perspective. And, and there's always something else going on that I don't see. And then when I can see the big perspective, you know, then I, then I won't have that anger because I'll see how things all do work for the good. And I think that gets to the point that radical forgiveness guy is talking about. Then at that point when you're, when I'm so evolved in my spiritual practices that I automatically see the big picture or I'm looking for that or accept that and know that on some core level, um, then I'm, you know, less likely to start getting mad and I'm more likely to sit down and say, okay, what's going on here? Why did you shoot my dog? You know, and start getting into some understanding of it. Yeah, and if even when you understand it, mm-hmm. it's not the easiest thing to do. It, sure. it really isn't. It's, it's, um, it, it is where our spiritual practices and having a spiritual community and going into, um, you know, meditation helps, going into have, having some actual steps to step us through the forgiveness process you know, really helps, and there are several models out there that really, you know, remind you of how to go through forgiveness and how to get outside of ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, and finding a sequence that, that works for you. Um, Yama Van Zandt's book um, that is the 40 days and 40 night journey of, you know, kind of going through it. It's called One Day My Soul Just Opened Up. Oh, yes. But it's 40 days. It's a 40-day, 40-night practice and takes you through a process of assessing. But in that point where it's time to release, Uh you know, it's like forgiveness. And, you know, and even when you do that, it doesn't mean that in 40 days you might heal everything, but at least you're beginning to a practice of looking within, mm-hmm. reframing, you know, dealing what, with what is, looking at your part in it, if any, and then, you know, seeing how the world could be without, being clear about what you want your world to be right. without that, um, and then choosing how you want to go forward. Right. Brian, Byron Katie's The Work uh-huh. is very powerful for forgiveness work with those four simple questions, uh-huh. just by starting to say, is that really true? Right. You know, is it really true that Tracy wanted to ruin your life because she didn't invite you to her party? <laughs> right. You know, is that true? Right. Or something even more serious, if, you know, I go back to the examples we used earlier today, you know, to ask myself, is it true that my mother hated me and wanted me to never have been born? No, I made up that story. Right. And even if she had ever said that to me, which she didn't, for the record, <laughs> if she had ever said that to me, it would still be, is that true? Right. You know, was she, she could just have said saying it that out of the moment? Right. From an emotional moment, out of anger, out of uh, disappointment in some other aspect of her life, and it just spewed out of her mouth. But did she really mean it? I mean, is it true? How can you know it's true? Mm-hmm. You know, what would your life be without that thought? Mm-hmm. You know, what if you just chose it was it's not true? I mean, it's something else. You know, and it's like the four questions from Byron Katie and the work are right. so powerful for forgiveness as well. I mean, really, I I really believe so much in my life. I you know I go back to that concept of choice. And I am so in desire to be at peace with myself and my life that in or, for me to give that up today, it's got to be something really big. <laughs> you know, I've really got to, um, and, and, and so quickly, because it really is a selfish, I'm really selfish because I don't want to give up that peace of mind. I want to give up my spiritual foundation. I mean, you know, anything that happens to me, Ultimately, if I get angry or if I get into resentment, I'm giving up what's the most important thing in my life. And so, man, I just don't see anything worth that. Yeah, Alan Cohen, this is a paraphrase of an Alan Cohen quote that I used to have on the wall in my bathroom. And for those of you who've listened to several shows by now, you realize I put quotes on the wall (laughs) in my bathroom so that I can see them on a regular basis and then I change them up. But this one stayed on my wall for at least two full years. It, it would, did not get replaced. 
And it was, or my paraphrase of the Alan Cohen quote is, to always ask myself, what is it about this situation that's worth losing my peace with God? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love and that. the answer is always nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. There is nothing uh-huh. about this situation where that is more important than my peace. Mm-hmm. And you know, and so I, if that means I just need to let it go, I can do what I need to do. I can have a conversation with that person. I can give them feedback. Mm-hmm. I can state what I would prefer. Mm-hmm. You know, but other than that, it's like if that doesn't bring peace to this situation, then. I will still have peace with God because I've done what I can Your do part. to write it or to correct it or to soothe it or to heal it. And once I've done that, then you know what? It is not for me anymore to worry about or to have resentment about or to be angry about. Right. And that, I mean, it, it, it took me a really long time to get there right. in my life. Mm-hmm. And 99.9% of the time I'm able to, to do that. Right. To choose that. Choose that, yeah. It's a choice. We're always a choice. Choice. Yeah. Um, before I forget, the, yes. the Joe Vitale book, if oh, you're looking girl. for more information about Ho'oponopono, it's uh, Zero Limits, The oh. Secret Hawaiian System for Wealth, Health, Peace, and More. And so if you look up Zero Limits or Joe Vitale, Zero Limits, or Ho'oponopono, and there are a lot of great videos on YouTube that have people talking about Ho'oponopono. So once you know how to spell it, you might want to go to YouTube nice. and look it up there as well. And uh, here's a little idea about YouTube and different things that we can look at. Uh, check out the GodInMyDay.com website because Tracy puts up a ton of wonderful meditation YouTube videos and different uh, authors talking about different practices, spiritual practices, and every day there's something new on that blog, and it is really a very dynamic, very live way to 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 do something physically to make the changes. Right. To say yes to spirit, yes to spirit. by right. noticing God in your day. And that website is? Uh, GodInMyDay.com. And don't forget to watch the funny video of Leslie over on the right-hand Bad side. Bad hair, yes, yes. <laughs> But it is a it's a wonderful wonderful thing to use as part of your daily practice that blog. Yeah, and uh, next week we have coming up on say yes to spirit a focus on creativity. Creativity. Yeah. And I'm not sure where we're going to go with that, but tune in and, and <laughs> we'll figure it out as we. Who just uh, oh I had lunch with somebody the other day and she said she was doing the artist way. Uh huh. Julia Cameron. And she said that, uh, you know, the whole idea of that is that you don't have to be an artist, you know, to be creative and the idea of all of that. And I know... Um, oh, that's next week. That's next week. <laughs> I know, but I, I, always, I still think about that. I can still say that, but I get very nervous when I hear that word. I think I have to draw. Uh, off, you know, you know. Yeah, so it's not about art. Yeah, it's yeah, about okay. creative process oh, okay. in our lives. And tomorrow night, oh, Tuesday <laughs> night... Uh, we uh, invite you to join us from 10.30 to 11 p.m. Central Time for uh, our God in My Day devo- Meditation. meditations, not devotions, and we'll do 30-minute meditation and hope that you will join us um, or listen to the recording. Yes, they're archived, and those meditations are always a good thing, too, a good tool. We're trying to give a lot of tools. That's for me, what this is all about is I needed so many tools and I needed such a community around me to help encourage me to say yes to spirit that, you know, I want to give that back. And so hopefully some of these tools pick up and use. Absolutely. And that really is what Say Yes to Spirit is all about. We are here to encourage you on your spiritual path as well as to encourage each other to every day say yes to spirit. Guys, I didn't treat me right I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna lie
Alexa, play meant to be. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.